Hi, everyone, and welcome to the State of State Schools podcast. I'm your host, John Stamper, Christian author, former homeschooler, and former public school teacher. Once a week, I'll give a quick recap of the most important headlines in education and pull back the curtain on what's really happening in our kids' schools. If you're a teacher, parent, or homeschool family, this podcast is for you. Thanks for listening, and let's get started. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode number 30. We have seven stories to get to, all coming from the week of July 10th, 2023. Uh, Each story comes from a different state. So we're talking about New York, Wisconsin, Ohio, California, Texas, Florida, and Tennessee. Story number one is very disturbing, so I want to get it out of the way. Uh, It's not related to school policy or anything like that, but it is something that parents should be aware of to protect your kids. You know, whether your kids are in public schools, private schools, or homeschooled. In Franklin, Tennessee, which is a little south of Nashville, a popular youth soccer coach was arrested for drugging and raping boys ages 9 to 17. And these were boys that he recruited for his soccer team. The man is 63 years old and has lived in the community for 20 years. It's not clear in the Daily Wire article Uh, what the man does for a living, whether he's involved with the schools or not. But apparently, he would recruit boys for his soccer team by visiting local playgrounds. He would gain their trust, invite them to his home, drug them and rape them while they were unconscious. So this went on for quite a while and no one knew about it. All of this was found out only because the man accidentally left his phone at a restaurant. And when restaurant employees were looking through the phone to try and identify the owner, they found a bunch of videos this man had taken showing the horrendous crimes. Again, it appears that nobody knew this was happening while it was happening. So no parents called the cops. None of the boys mentioned anything. The boys probably didn't even know what had happened because they had been drugged and were unconscious. But apparently, these boys were alone with this coach long enough to be drugged and basically kidnapped. Or their parents were allowing the boys to go home with the coach. So, not to be insensitive, but kids should not be going to a coach's home without their parents, period. Maybe more details will come out explaining all this, but again, this is just stuff for you parents out there to be aware of and to consider. I'm sorry to even be talking about this, but this evil is out there and it seems to be running rampant in our country right now. Story number two, earlier this year, from February to June, NYU hosted an anti-racism workshop exclusively for white public school parents. Participants attended six different sessions, two hours per session, and they paid $360 to do so. Organizers of the workshop handed out flyers that said, quote, it's helpful to have a space where other white people engaged in this process can support and challenge us without having to always subject people of color to further undue trauma or pain as we stumble and make mistakes. A white space serves as a resource to people of color who want to work with white people but don't want to have to spend all their energy dealing with the racism of white people, end quote. That's the flyer from this workshop. When one workshop attendee 
question the segregating of races for this workshop, one of the organizers replied, quote, people of color are dealing with racism all the time, like every minute of every day. It's a harm on top of a harm for them to hear our racist thoughts, end quote. So it's hard to follow all that, but that's what you get with this type of idiocy. So based on this workshop, here's what NYU is saying about white parents and anyone else who isn't white, really. First of all, all white people are racist, and apparently only white people are racist. Second, non-white people are either incapable or too fragile to handle such heavy topics. And third, racial segregation is apparently good because it's in the best interest of non-white people. Again, that's the message being sent by NYU in these ridiculous, racist, prejudiced, woke trainings. Story number three, in Wisconsin, the Mukwanago School District was just ordered by a federal judge to allow biological males who identify as females into female restrooms and locker rooms. The school district originally had a policy that said students must use the facility that aligns with their biological sex. And that policy was passed unanimously by the school board. But now the judge's decision blocks that school policy after a lawsuit was filed by the mother of an 11-year-old boy who says he's really a girl. So this story actually reminds me of what happened in my hometown of Rensselaer, Indiana, back in the early 90s, where one parent sued the school board for allowing the Gideons to pass out Bibles. And even though the school board supported the Gideons, the Indiana Supreme Court said, nope, Bibles can no longer be distributed. And that's what led to my parents deciding to homeschool my siblings and me. So back to Wisconsin, even though the entire school board voted unanimously on a bathroom and locker room policy, which said, you know, you go in the one that aligns with your biological sex, that was their policy, their vote is now completely irrelevant. So for parents in the McQuanago area, and I have friends in McQuanago with kids, you might've been thinking, hey, we've elected a common sense school board and they're not gonna put up with this woke ideology, gender confusion stuff. But now it's totally irrelevant. It doesn't matter what your school board says because a judge blocked it. So this should be a wake up call for every small town, common sense or conservative school that says they're not progressive. You know, we're not liberal, we're not woke and this gender theory nonsense would never happen in my school. All it takes is for one person, one parent to file a lawsuit and all of a sudden your little girls will be forced, yes, forced by the state to shower with boys, to get dressed and undressed in front of boys, and to share private, intimate moments with boys in school. So I've discussed other stories from around the country how teenage boys have taken advantage of these insane transgender policies. You know, they group up, they go into girls' locker rooms, and they watch girls get undressed. And in some cases, girls have actually been raped. You know, it's not complicated, people. It's absolutely delusional that adults think this is the right thing to do. Story number four, more woke teacher trainings. This one comes from Columbus City Schools in Ohio. And it sounds very similar to the trainings that I had to complete in Chicago Public Schools. Last September, 2022, 
the Columbus City Schools paid over $24,000 of taxpayer money to train their teachers on queer and trans inclusion. You can probably guess what the training promoted, but I'll give you a few examples. First of all, teachers were encouraged to always affirm a trans student, regardless of their parents' wishes. If parents were non-affirming, then there should be a secret file kept at the school, files that the parents could not see or know about. Second, the training said that teachers should discuss, quote, gender expansiveness with very young children, end quote. Children as young as one and a half, two years old, if possible. One training slide stated, quote, children are not too young to talk about or know their gender, end quote. And finally, teachers were presented with the quote-unquote wheel of power slash privilege, which states that white heterosexual men who are slim and able-bodied are privileged. This comes from the concept of intersectionality or intersecting identities, which is almost identical to what I was presented with in my teacher trainings nearly three years ago. So my point is, these teacher trainings are still out there. They're becoming lucrative. You're paying for it with your money, whether you like it or not. And just imagine down the road that because of the school choice movement and the tax dollars that are you know, applied to private schools and even homeschools, imagine the Department of Education coming into your home, if you're a homeschool family, and saying that you need to complete this type of training, queer and trans inclusion, to get your tuition, to get your funds. So this is the fear with the school choice movement, government oversight. That's the fear that comes along with the school choice movement, government allocated funds. So, you know, government only grows bigger and that's why there shouldn't be any government involvement in education. Story number five, this comes from Glendale Unified School District outside of Los Angeles, which is no stranger to the spotlight. I've discussed uh, this district several times. Last year, two high schoolers in the district were suspended for misgendering their trans teacher. The school policy states that students can be suspended if the misgendering leads to harassment. So the school made the kids complete a quote-unquote restorative justice training. So the big idea here is forcing speech. Everyone in this school apparently was required to adopt this teacher's transgender delusion. There was no room for disagreement, no room for independent thought, and that's a serious problem. This teacher has every right to be confused or sick or delusional, but I should not be forced to go along with it or encourage that confusion to encourage that sickness or delusion. So promoting a lie and holding up that lie as the truth, it's not just false, it's morally wrong, it's evil. Story number six, on a positive note, these last two stories are good examples of how schools and states can make common sense school policies. In Tarrant County, Texas, which is the third most populated county in Texas, the school board at the Fort Worth Academy of Fine Arts voted to require students to show a birth certificate before they joined the school's choir. The rule being that biological boys must join the boys choir and biological girls must join the girls' choir. Of course, there's pushback from LGBTQ activists 
saying that the rule forces trans students into gender roles and causes, quote unquote, irreparable trauma, according to the ACLU of Texas. The county's executive director of Citizens Defending Freedom said, quote, we're simply standing up for common sense. Boys should not be allowed to sing in the girls' choir, and girls should not be allowed to sing in the boys' choir. It's absurd that we even have to have this debate. But as long as the liberal activists keep pushing their agenda, we'll keep fighting back, end quote. So in my opinion, states, school boards, principals, counselors, and teachers are going to have to make a choice eventually. You're going to have to decide how to handle this trans issue. Either you go with the birth certificate and biological sex, or you go with, you know, however you feel. If you feel like a girl, you're a girl. If you feel like a boy, you're a boy. But once you decide, you're going to have to stand up against the pushback because there's pushback from both directions. To me, I don't see the middle ground unless you just create a third gender, a third bathroom, third locker room, third sports team or club just for trans students. But these leftist activist groups don't want that kind of compromise. They want to control speech and control your children. Finally, story number seven, in Florida, there is a transparency law that requires schools to provide a public online catalog of library materials that parents can easily access from the school's website. This includes classroom libraries as well. So I think this is an awesome law, right? In my opinion, it's awesome. Parents know what's going on. It's super common sense, and it allows parents to know what's going on inside the school and classroom. Well, in March, the Florida Education Association, a teacher's union, challenged that law. The teacher's union wanted to hide books from parents so parents couldn't protest or remove them from schools. So let's pause and ask, what kind of adults want to have secret sexual conversations with children and then tell those children to keep it a secret from their parents? What kind of people do that? I'm pretty sure those people are called sexual predators. The good news is that a judge defended the state law and protected the rights of parents. So Florida parents will know what books their kids are reading in school. What a concept. The judge said that the Education Association's challenge of the law was, quote, unreasonable and contrary to Florida law, end quote. On the other side, the Florida Education Association president said the judge's ruling was a burden on teachers and that teacher motives should not be doubted. He continued, quote, as I talk to teachers all over the state, what they tell me is that they have never had parents question books in their classroom or in their libraries, end quote. So you mean the secret books? Parents never asked about those? I wonder why. Maybe because they're secret. He continued, quote, Teachers are professionals. They buy books that are academically appropriate, that are age appropriate, and that are content appropriate with their kids in mind, end quote. So this guy says that teachers buy appropriate books for their kids. But all over the country, even in the state of Florida, there are sexually inappropriate books being used, popping up all over the place in public schools. So how are those books getting there? If teachers think those books are appropriate, 
then that's a big problem. In fact, that is the problem here. It's just a clear divide in education philosophy and a clear divide in morals. One group says, I want to protect children from sexually inappropriate materials, from Marxist materials, from racist materials in school. The other group says they know what's appropriate for other people's kids. Stuff like gender theory, transgenderism, and keeping secrets from parents. So there's no bridge between these two positions. There's no common ground here. You're either on one side or the other. And you need to be on the side of parental rights and protecting children, not on the side of sexualizing children that don't belong to you. Anyway, that's all I have for you this week. That's the state of state schools. Take care.